everybody for joining us on the third episode of The Female Fist. My name is Scarlett Delgado and I have a really intriguing guest with us today. She brought home bronze for the Golden Girl Tournament out in Sweden. She's also Silver. brought Which one? Silver. Silver? Oh, oh yeah, I lost the finals, man. <laughs> Silver, I'm corrected. Silver. <laughs> She's also brought home two silver medals for the Canadian Championships until 2019, when she brought home for the 64 kilogram division, a gold medal. So please welcome our Canadian reigning champion, Caitlin Clark. How you doing, Caitlin? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Sorry for correcting you there. Oh, no, <laughs> but... no. Please correct me. I want everybody to know exactly at what caliber you are. And let me tell everybody, I've known Caitlin for quite some years. She is quite the amazing athlete. Every single club show that I've gone to, if you've been there and if you fought, I've always seen you win. <laughs> like, honestly, we were having this conversation earlier. I'm really surprised that 2019 was your first Canadian championship. I always see you winning. You know, I actually, it was funny because some people, when I won, they were like, well, how many of you won? And I was like, this is my first one. And they were like, what? I thought you had already, I thought you'd won like numerous times before. And even before I won nationals, people were calling me a Canadian champion. And I was like, no, I've never won Canadians. And they, they were perplexed by it. I mean, just as I was, but like, <laughs> they were like, they were like, how, but I, I always see you beat these really good girls. Like, how are you not a Canadian champion? That, like, I swear to God, like you and I, we had this conversation earlier. Like I literally thought for years that, yeah, you were the champion. That's what I figured, but whatever. <laughs> now you are. So there's your rightful crown where it belongs. Okay. So a lot of the audience, they don't know who you are. So why don't you give us all a little bio about yourself? Why'd you start boxing? Why'd you go down specifically this path? Tell me everything. Okay. Um, so obviously it's a question we get asked a lot. Um, and then my story is very different from most people's. There are a lot of people you hear, oh, my dad boxed, my brother boxed. I tagged along to the gym. Pardon me? Want to say something? <laughs> yeah, both you and Mandy, I'm pretty sure that's how you guys got into it. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people, it was like they had a sibling or a parent, typically a male figure in their life who boxed. Um, for me, it wasn't like that. Boxing was not a part of my family. I actually didn't even start watching... Like, I hadn't watched a full professional boxing fight until I was had like 15 fights. Really? Like that is how removed from the boxing world my life was. Um, but what it was, was that I danced growing up and I'm a big reality TV junkie. So I was watching Dancing with the Stars back in, I think it was 20, 2006. Like a, that was a long time ago. Oh um, but Layla Ali was on it and I didn't know who she was. I didn't really care. Um, it was the fact that I was captivated by her beauty her elegance on the dance floor and then she has this phenomenal physique like even to this day at, I think she's like 44 years old or something um if you follow her on Instagram like that woman has an amazing like she's goals straight up goals yeah um but <laughs> yeah it was like two, right pardon me she's a mother of two right yeah she's got a few kids yeah and she looked she got a banging body but that's what it was it was like she had this elegance about her and she was so feminine on the dance floor. And then she had this very fit physique that you typically at that point, like that was during that Paris Hilton era where everybody was just really skinny and you like strong, wasn't considered pretty mm -hmm. in the media anyways. And uh, yeah. And then she was so outspoken. She told people off and I was like, that is who I want to be right there. Like, uh, I want to be like this chick. What does she do? I looked it up, saw she boxed. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do with my life. 
I bet that she would be so happy to hear that. <laughs> to hear that she made that kind of impact on somebody and then look at the path you chose. I actually tweeted at her like maybe six years ago about it. And she she responded to it and retweeted it. And I was like, that was pretty cool. Like, yeah, like it was just, I'm sure she has, doesn't even remember. Like it's a, you know, it's like one off, but yeah, like. Oh, well, maybe she does. Yeah, like one day she'll basically this. My entire path after the age of 18 is because of that person, which is pretty unreal because I've never even met her. Um, but yeah, so then I started, my, I had to wait to start boxing until I was 18. So I had to wait three years because my parents were so against it. Really? How they did didn't want me to hit in the head. So the rule was like, when I turned 18, I could sign off for all my own life and I was my own responsibility. But until that point, I, my parents didn't want me being in danger. So I just kind of stuck around like playing, I played other sports at like pretty high levels. Um, I've always been a competitive athlete. And then when I start, but sports always came really easy to me. Like you are a very athletic person. It, they just came easy. And boxing was the very first thing I ever tried that I sucked at. Really? I was horrible. You can literally ask people that I started with and I was not good. I cried my first time sparring. I was a wuss, like, <laughs> like total night and day difference from who, like the athlete that I am now in terms of boxing wise. Um, but yeah, and it was just, it was the fact that it was so hard for me and I was used to sports typically being pretty easy. Yeah. That's why I wanted to do it. And I remember like my first coach basically told me, she's like, you know, you can always quit. And I was like, no, no, no. But she gave, because she gave me the out, right? Like, I think, and I think that makes her a good coach is she saw somebody who was really struggling and it's yeah. like, well, you can quit. Like the options there, there's no, there's no shame in not right. wanting to be a high level, like a high level boxer. You play so many other sports, you're smart, you're, you know, you got all these other things going for you. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to become a Canadian champion. And I was like, I'm, I told you that. I know I mean, we've talked about this since, cause we're still yes, friends. We yes, we but did. I was like, I was like, I am going to win my first provincial title. The first time I go, I was like, I'm not going to lose. Then I'm going to go to nationals. I'm going to podium my first year, which I also did. And then I was like, I'm going to win a Canadian title, which I've done. And then the next thing was I wanted to win a world championship, which is still on the list. It's the only thing left on the list of what I told this woman 10 years ago. It's just and I told her the weight classes that I was going to, that I was going to do it in too. I was like, cause at the time, I think I was about 195 pounds. And really? I was like, I'm going to fight. at. I like pointed at, and it was like, I just like pointed at the wall <laughs> at the weight class chart. And it was between 141 and 152. And I was like, that's where I'm going to fight. And I've always fought in those two weight classes pretty much. So. Good for you. Like, you said the Nostradamus. Like, I'm going to get that. Yeah. The Nostradamus of my own boxing career, I guess. <laughs> do you do like anything right now outside of boxing? Like, do you kind of just do something to just level out all of that built up like energy that you got going on? Do you ever try to? Yeah, yeah. I, people actually, people that are really close to me know this, that I tend to escape. Like I go off the grid. I find a place that's very remote. I leave for, you know, up to like four to seven days at a time. No cell phone, no nothing. I disappear, but I'm usually in the wilderness somewhere. That's what I do. It's, um, it's so calm and peaceful. Yeah. And like, I'm a wilderness lady, which a lot of people don't assume. Um, really? but yeah, it's very calming to me to just be in the wild and like, we're, you're chopping wood every day to make fire and you're cooking your meals like that you brought on your back and you carried in like things like that. I've, I've always really enjoyed that. And that's where I find peace because you, it makes you realize how small you are and how insignificant you are, but how significant you are. Because when you're surrounded by these big trees and like water and you know, you're so, you're such a tiny little speck, but then it's like, when you think about it, 
you're chopping down trees and you're impacting the environment anyways. So it's like, yeah, we're like, it puts into perspective how small we are, but also how big of an impact we can make. So it always just brings me back. That's beautiful. It's like reconnecting back with the main source, the main elements, yeah. and finding your grounding. Exactly. Literally. <laughs> so, and now you've been boxing a little bit longer than me. Like, I think that I'm reaching like my eight year mark. How long have you been boxing for? I'm at 10 years now. You're at 10 years. My yeah. Um, my first fight. So I, I moved pretty quick, actually. I was through novice within, uh, I think it was within a year and two months of go- walking into a gym. I was done novice. Like I won my first provincials like a year and it was only like a year and a half or something into my actual fight career. Like it was very quick. Um, but yeah, I, I started boxing and then six months later I had my first fight. It was just like boom, boom. And I don't think I was ready, but I'm How still did you here. Get that so. pressure back then? Cause I don't think that women's boxing was necessarily, well, from what I remember, it, like it wasn't even the Olympics still, it was still something that was kind of like women had their ring and then you had the men's ring. Yeah. So you. I've always been really lucky um, or blessed, I guess, in a sense that no matter where I've been in my career, I've always trained around other very accomplished women. Like my first boxing coach, Kathy Year. She was a two-time Canadian champion in her own right. My one of my training partners was um, Debbie Richards, who won numerous Canadian titles. Like anyone will tell you that Debbie Richards back in the day was like the girl. Like she was it. She was she scared me. She's like the nicest human in the world. She scared me. Um, but so I'm this novice, this lady at the time. I'll call her a lady. She I don't even know how how much older she was than me. But back then there wasn't like female boxing. What is it? isn't wasn't what it is now but at that time in 2010 she had had like 120 fights which was unreal it was unheard of wow that is yeah. like that surprises me yeah so this is who I'm training with and my coach is a two-time Canadian champion it's like I've always been really blessed to be around high caliber women who yeah. are accomplished in the ring and outside um so I never really felt pressure because I always knew that like I always I I always knew that there was a possibility that I could be great too, because I was like, I surround myself with people I want to be like, and I've always been like that. Like you become like the five people you spend the most time around. Yes. So yeah, I've really been very blessed in my, in my boxing career because like for that. Um, but yeah, I didn't I don't think there was a lot of pressure. Like before my first fight though, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> Why was that? Was it the nerves or was it just oh, like, yeah. actually- <laughs> I, um, the girl I was fighting was supposed to have zero fights or something or like three, yeah. very minimal. Um, it's actually my first fight was against Bonnie Hunter, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, she was my first fight. We go way back. You know and um, about, she was there. She fought Mary Spencer that day. Yeah. That's yeah. She, um, yeah, she was my first bout. And what's actually kind of funny is that we had this like, I'll call it like a rivalry through yeah. like the very early part of our career because we always fought each other. And then we had this moment and now she worked my corner at nationals when I won. That's crazy. And we had this moment where we were like, wow, we've come full circle. This is insane. That we that's started around the same time. And like, now you're the one that's in my corner. That. Yeah. So it was like, a, it was like a very beautiful moment. But um, anyways, she was supposed to have like three fights. Allegedly, she shows up with seven. She's six wins, one loss. <laughs> 10 years older than me. I'm like, what if I die? Like, what if this shit kills me? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still here to tell the tale but uh yeah so and like how did you like how did you do like how did the fight go for your first fight ever so we turned it into an exhibition because of the bout difference that was 
the rule. Okay. Um, but it was competitive enough where Kathy, right after the fight, she's like, hey, we're taking them on their club show next week or like two weeks later. Yeah, and you did? Yeah, so we took it on the club show in their gym. Um, I actually watched, I have the DVD of it. I watched it the other day. I was like, wow, it was pretty bad when I first started. Um, <laughs> she beat me. She bested me. She bested me quite a few times as a novice. Um, I evened it out when we got open class, though. Well, you <laughs> but, know, it was uh, experience, right? Yeah, it's all love, though. Like, yeah. I know, Bonnie. She's a wonderful person. She's got this, like, good light to her. That's oh, yeah. You guys have that experience, though. Yeah. It's pretty unreal. God. So, okay. So your first national title was 2019, as we mentioned. So you've been boxing now for 10 years. Now, I know you personally, obviously our audience doesn't. And I know that you've been through a lot in the past 10 years. You've gone through a lot of ups and downs. Most people don't come back from those kinds of things and win a championship like that. So do you want to take us through those transitions? Do you want to kind of highlight, like, was there a moment where you're like, I need to change something. I need to make a switch because 10 years in 2019, you made that gold happen. So something changed. Want to tell us? Yeah. Um, a word that I've always used to define myself throughout my boxing career. And I still do to this day is resilient. Like when some, if someone were like, what's three words that describe you resilient, hundred percent. Um, throughout my boxing career, it's like even that first fight with Bonnie, you know, she's got seven fights. I have zero. I've been boxing for six months. I'm 10 years younger than her. <laughs> like, you know, she has that woman's strength. I'm a kid. Um, from then on, like from, from my very first day in the gym, it was just like, I was always having to be resilient. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was like, we took, I was with a coach and we, you know, she sat me down. She's like, if you want to be great, you need, you need to get the experience. Like, that's the only way to be great. It's to fight great people. So we literally fought seven Canadian champions in a row. And I lost three of them. And then it was like all one day I won. But I was on eight losses in a row at that point when I won that first one. And I had gotten to the point where I forgot what it felt like to be a winner. Wow. And I just, a lot of people, like I remember my coach and I had this conversation and I said to her, I'm like, the one thing I know, and I, I thanked her for still like, you know, investing in me so much considering I was on this massive losing streak. But I said to her, I was like, the one thing I know is that other people would have quit because we had the option to take easier fights. We had the option when I had 13 fights to fight someone who had 10, but we fought someone with 50. Um, like, and I got whooped. And it's like every single time I came back with the mindset of this is growth, this is development. Absolutely. Um, so that worked for so long. And then I started beating these girls, but then it kind of leveled out where it was, I was on this huge growth curve and then the growth curve stopped. And that was around the time. Yeah. I like petered out. I, after uh, nationals, I lost on a split decision in the finals. I was pretty down about it in 2014. Um, which in hindsight, is kind of funny because it's like three and a half years into my boxing career. I'm sad that I lost on a split to a seven time Canadian champion. <laughs> Well, that's being a champion, like an inner champion, you don't settle yeah. for anything except for what you want. Yeah. Like, and um, in hindsight, it's, it's kind of funny to think about, but I actually ended up getting very badly injured shortly after that. Yeah. And then all of 2015 was a write-off for me. The entire year was a write-off. I had a really bad back injury. And then I ended up, I got pushed off a bus right before provincials and tore the ligaments in my foot. So then I couldn't fight then. Yeah, I got pushed off a bus. Just bad luck. 
some guy pushed me when I was getting off and I tore the ligaments of my foot and it was a week before the tournament to qualify for nationals. Did you like punch him out? No, I, I just walked to training. I was like, oh, whatever. My ankle just kind of hurts. I just no walked right to the gym. See? Yeah, that was a big that. mistake. I ended up... Heart of a champion right there. <laughs> yeah, it was a horrible idea. I tore the ligaments of my foot. Oh um, my so that put me out for quite a while. Um, and around that time as well, I started. So I guess we'll go back a little bit before all of this. I started having, um, you know, really bad foot pain in the morning. I, it hurt to literally it hurt to live. It physically hurt me to be alive. Um, I can't put it any other way. And so I was like doing all these tests and I was like 21 at the time. I was really young and it comes back after nationals that I have rheumatoid arthritis, which a lot of people don't know about. It's an autoimmune disease and it causes inflammation in your body, but specifically in your joints. And then it's not from wear and tear. It's just, you're born with it. And typically it doesn't surface until you're in like your fifties and sixties. So but it came as a, for you. Yeah. As a young athlete, I, I remember when I found out and I went to the gym and I told a friend of mine who had gone through, um, some autoimmune issues and had thyroid cancer and some other things. And she was like, Caitlin, that's a big deal. How do you feel? And I was like, whatever, I can do anything I want. Like I'm fine. And right. that, that was the wrong mindset because I just kept plowing forward. Uh -huh. So flash forward a little bit, 2015 total write-off. We find out that there's a second qualifier in 2016. Yep. My, I have a, I have a rheumatoid arthritis flare up right before a tournament. Then the qualifiers three weeks after my dad dies the, the three weeks before. So it's like my dad died like right after the Brampton cup, um, which I didn't compete at because I was in the hospital the week before and I didn't get medically cleared. So when my dad passed away, I kind of had to reassess my life. And it was, it was very challenging because I was going through this point in my life where I was in my last semester of my undergrad as well. Like I have a, so I was finishing up my university career and I was trying to focus on boxing and everything was just too much. So I took about eight or nine months off at that point as well. So it was like almost two years of my boxing career is a write off. Like in terms of, I guess, in terms of fights in the ring, um, the, the development mentally, spiritually, physically outside the ring was great. Um, but yeah, when my dad passed away, that was like this moment where I really looked at my life and I was like, what do you really want from the world? Like you need to figure it out now because it was the first moment where I realized like my dad died very suddenly. So it was like life can stop in an instant. And if you're not doing what makes you happy or what makes you feel good, stop doing it. And so my mind, like I, people will tell you, like I changed completely. I was a totally different person after my dad died. Yeah. Like, but, and then that ended up actually impacting some of my relationships overall, where I stopped being a doormat and I stopped doing things just because somebody told me to. And I started like, I would say I started fighting back a little bit where I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Like, I think I should train this way. And it, it did cause a bit of a rift. And I had a falling out with my coach um, who had been my coach at this point for six years. And I had learned a lot under this, under her. Um, and then I remember going to nationals and not boxing well at all, having a very hard time making weight. Um, and we had this conversation that I should quit. And I agreed. And within three minutes after agreeing, I was like, no, like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not quitting. Like I'm going to figure out how to do this with my, without my body hurting, without me being injured, without all these, without me mentally feeling horrible. And then a few months later, I'd say about six months later, I ended up quitting my career. I had a career at this point in Ottawa. I quit my career and moved home and decided that I was just going to box and figure it all on my own. And then I won a Canadian championship. And then I won a Canadian championship. 
Wow, Caitlin, that is quite an amazing story. And I really hope that everybody listened to that and everybody's paying really close attention because that right there is what champions are made of. And that right there is a prime example of if you put your mind to something, you can go through anything. Right there on her shirt, it says faith over fear. Faith over yeah. fear. Caitlin, you're, you're somebody that should really like, that's amazing. I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I just, I think that for me, it's like, I, I always look at like, I've always had this, it's funny. Like I'll say things, people are like, oh, are you a pessimist? I annoy people with how optimistic I am about things because I'll come <laughs> up against challenges and people are like, we well, can just quit. You can just walk away. Like my first coach, right? Give me the out. And I'm like, no, nope, I'm going to figure it out. I might get a little like pissy along the way, but I'm going to figure it out. And that whole experience of like kind of completely removing myself and being at my lowest point and not having a whole lot of support. Like I remember that eight weeks prepping for that nationals, nobody thought I was going to win. Like if you would have asked anybody other than I think like me, Sid, Natasha, like some of my supporting group yeah. and like Chuck and people at Blue Water, like no, outside of that, I don't think anybody thought I would win. All they knew was that I was flying to other countries for sparring on like for a week. I was going out East to spar. I was literally in my car. I put 90,000 kilometers on my car in sparring. It was like 47,000 kilometers for boxing in like a, literally a two month period. I was driving everywhere. I was like double sparring. Like I remember I'd drive two hours to Kitchener after work, I would spar. And then I would drive to the other gym in town and spar more there. <laughs> like, oh my I God, just, did you take a break ever? Did you just like get some no. water maybe? <laughs> no, I just was like, I need to do this for me to prove to myself because I've wanted to win a Canadian championship for so long. And it was basically told to me that it will never happen. And I don't take never for an option. So I did what I had. I did literally did everything I had to do to make it happen. I fundraised for some, like for these trips overseas, I paid my own way to go over and spar with Stacey Copeland because she's wow. like a very decorated professional, very decorated amateur. Yeah. And we're, like we're good friends. And I was like, I need to get to England to spar with this girl. Yeah. And then it, yeah, and it was just like having to invest that much into myself has showed me what I'm actually capable of. But the result afterwards, I remember when Sid, after, after national, Sid and I were working together, we'd worked together for about like eight weeks at this point. And he tweaked my jab. And I'm just thinking, man, like I can't even throw a jab right, but I'm a Canadian champion. Like, that's amazing. Imagine <laughs> what's going to happen when my jab is good. Like the fact that I'm winning these. And I looked at him, I'm like, how did I get this far without you? I will never forget this. We're like, you know, we're doing pads and yeah. I stopped and he's like, what? <laughs> you know, Sid doesn't talk that much. And he's yeah. like, what? And I'm like, how did I get this far without you? And he was like, well, what do you mean? Like, he thought that I meant it as something negative. And I was like, no, Sid, I'm a Canadian champion and I've done all these really amazing things and look how far I am. And you're literally construct like deconstructing my job and fixing it. Like, imagine how far <laughs> we're going to go together. Like this is, this is literally the ground floor. Like a Canadian championship is the ground floor. How amazing is that? Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's like, that is what you've constructed yourself. You have literally built yourself from the ground up and then coach, uh, sorry, coach Sid, he is such a, like, I don't, you know what? I don't think that he gets enough credit to be honest. He's such a, like a valuable individual. He's got oh, yeah. this, like wisdom in him. He's got this, just this knowledge and he understands what it takes to speak to the athlete themselves. Not everybody, the individual athlete. 
He's got a heart yeah. of old man. He's an incredible person. He, like, I remember asking him to coach me full time. Cause I was at Blue Water and Sarnia, but I knew like if I wanted, it was a very hard decision. Cause I love training with Chuck Evans yeah. and he put in so much time with me and he was there with me at nationals. And like, we had such a great connection, but I remember being, I talked to my, my sports psychologist ear off about how do I tell Chuck that I need to leave? Like how yeah. I love this man. I don't want to hurt him. Um, it was the first time that I was leaving where it was my choice to leave. And I remember asking Sid, I was like, Sid, I don't know how to tell him. And he was like, Caitlin, it doesn't matter how you enter into relationships. What matters is how you exit them. And he's like, so the choice is yours. And I like, have never forgotten when he told me that. And, but that was also something that cemented like how great of a human being Sid is yes. where I know he'll have my back because he told me that where it's like, that's how he approaches relationships is that, you know, it's always, it's never about what happened in the past. It's about the last thing. He's, he's given me some good words exactly like that. Yeah. Exactly like that. He is like, you know what? He's a great man. And I think that he's done wonders for you as well, even in that short blip of time, because you were working with him only for eight weeks, right? Did you say eight weeks so national? For an hour a week. I worked with him for like eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> like you put into perspective, it's like eight, eight weeks. Hours, eight hours, Canadian champion. <laughs> and like, Chuck played a big part in that too. Like I never would want to take away credit from the people in Sarnia. Chuck Evans, that man, like he made me just so much more co confident in my, my hand speed and my ability. Cause I had never thought that I was quick. And then it's funny now because I, like, you know, I, I spar with like, I've done rounds with you. It's like, Mandy, you guys are so much smaller than me. And the fact that my, okay, I am slower. I will admit, but I don't think I am as slow as, I don't think I'm that slow for my size. No, you're not. I'll and so it's like, thing, I know you're yeah. Not. And it's because of Chuck. Like if in, I would not have won nationals the way that I did yeah. had Chuck not have like helped me become confident and help me work on my hand speed. So it's like, it was like this tag team between him and Sid that they kind of, neither one really knew what was happening. <laughs> 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 but it worked perfectly. <laughs> well, at least you made it work. Cause that was, that's the goal, right? Cause at the end of the day, I think that, um, we give our credit to our coaches, of course, right? We love our coaches, the time that they invest in us, the impact that they have on us on individual athletes. But then at the end of the day, like we have to do always what's best for ourselves and the coaches being good coaches, they know that too. They you would, yeah, you would hope, right? Like that's, uh, to me, that's the marker of a good coach is if your athlete can leave and you don't have, like you're not, there's no sour grapes about it. It's like, no, this person needs to move on for whatever reason it is. Yeah. Um, but what you were saying there about how we're always so quick to give thanks to our coach. That's another way that I've really grown over the years is I used to, I used to like pay homage to my coach and like, I love Sid, but like, <laughs> yo, when I win, man, it's about you. That's me now. And I never was like that. I was always like, Oh, thanks to my sparring partners. Like I, I was the last person on the list. Whereas now it's like, God, me, Sid. <laughs> and you know what that that's a really good point that you make because everybody forgets this is your journey this is yeah. your journey and when you make these accomplishments it is about you you can't tag team your coach and say can you finish the round for me or like can you just if like, i could do that sid would be in every round <laughs> <laughs> can you just finish this quickly for me please right. <laughs> um yeah and like you can't like it's, it's funny, like in fight sport, I think people, you know, cause you, you read about it on the internet is like, 
oh, this athlete doesn't appreciate their coach or like this and that. But like when a team wins the Super Bowl, it's yeah. all about the players. It's in team sports, it's all about the players when they win. In individual sports, though, it's like you're expected to, you know, and like my coach is helping me get there. But like I'm the one who's performing, performing and putting my life on the line. And that's actually something Sid had told me. He was like, when he started training me, one of the stipulations was that I wasn't allowed to thank him on the internet. He told me that in a message. He was like, I want no thanks. I want no praise. He's like, I, he's like, I just want to help you. And that's when I was like, man, this guy's, this guy's the real deal is that he didn't want anything. And even when I won nationals, he was, I think I tagged him in the post and he was, oh, I just said, thanks to Sid and Natasha Spence for like the sparring. I never said like for, you know, for this, that, and the other, because he didn't want that. And I was like, this is the man that I need in my life at this stage of my career is that he's, because he was an athlete, he sees that like, you know, he's, he's helping me make the magic in the ring, but he's helping me do it. You know, it's, and because he's able to pull his ego out of it, it makes for a much easier relationship coach athlete wise. Um, but it's like, he also knows that I appreciate him. I thank him every day. Yeah. He's like, you know what? And, and it all comes from here from him. Yeah. It's all right from here. You know what? He's going to be so upset when he sees this because we're just giving him so much credit right now. <laughs> Learning history credit. No one's ever going to be scared of him ever again. They're like, oh, he's a softie. Like, <laughs> such a nice well, guy. <laughs> in training. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so another thing that is actually something that I've been thinking about because I don't see you obviously as much as we normally would like out of COVID. So like what's training looking like for you right now during this COVID? And like, do you still have the same aspirations? Like you're going to make it to the world championships. I'm like, we all know that, but do you still have like the same now that you have a whole year that just went by? I think that this year for me has been so, it's been a gift. Like everyone wants is so, this is where I get annoyingly optimistic. Um, everyone is so quick to be like, this year is horrible. This year's garbage. I want it to be over, like whatever. And it's like, yes. Okay. Did I have, my last fight was in February. My last training camp was in February slash March, like of last year. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time since I've even sparred against someone my own size. Right. But in that time, like Sid and I have had this chat where it's when I wasn't living here training with him all the time, I would see him once a week. And so it's like in a year's time of working with him, I may be like, taking out holidays, whatever. We maybe worked together for 40 hours before I, before I moved here. And then it's like, I move here and I'm out East. I'm in Montreal. I'm back here. Oh, it's Christmas. Now I'm back in Montreal. Then I'm in Sweden. Then I'm in Korea. Then we're in lockdown. And so it was like, these four months went by so fast. And then when we reopened up in July, I think it was two weeks in, I was like, so this is the most time we've ever spent together. <laughs> and he's like, I know, I can't even believe that. He's like, you've been here over six months, seven months now. And this is the most time that we've ever spent together. Wow. And the amount of development that I've done from a, a, a technical, I technically, I know I'm way better than I was a year ago. Um, but I think just, I have this swagger about me now when I box where it's like, I'll drop my hands. I used to be like all the time. And if my hands drops, cause I'm tired now it's like, no, I'm going to drop my hands. I'm going to taunt you a little bit. I've got some, like, I got some swagger in the ring and that, you're like, let's go. Let's throw some. Yeah. Hands. That comes from the confidence, right? Like Absolutely. 
that's the mental side of it that I, that I was missing for so long. Um, and another really great thing about this year actually is, um, a lot of people actually don't, I don't think know this about me, but I, um, I've had an eating disorder for about nine years, eight years. Um, so this was like, yeah, so this was the year where it was like, I was able, I told Sid about it, which is like the first time I ever actually talked to a coach about it. Um, but this year we got someone to help me out with my nutrition, who I've also told about this and like very much in depth. And it's, I think that's like the first time I've ever actually mentioned it, like in like a live interview or anything. Um, but this year it's been the year where I'm able to rebuild that relationship with food and like nourishing my body. And the fact that I was able to let a coach in, let a nutritionist in and let my training partner and like Mandy knows I'm weird with food. Um, to me, it's like, that's such a relief and it's really setting me up to be great down the road because to think that I can be a high performance athlete and like not understand, like, and not have my head in the best spot possible in terms of like nutrition, training, sleep, everything. That's a flawed concept that you can get there without every single individual piece. So we've spent all this time working on, and it has not been easy whatsoever. Like I still have days where I wake up and I'm like, oh, well, I'm a little bit heavier today. So I'm not going to eat. doesn't make sense. Now I can look at it like from that analytical standpoint. So that's a huge gain too. Like that's amazing. this year, like this past year for me has been absolutely incredible and COVID sucks. It does. It's horrible. People are dying, but I never would have gotten this year in my career at like in any other situation. This was the time you got to really focus on you exclusively without any other buzz going on without responsibilities like for example I'm going to put myself on the back burner because I have to take care of this tournament coming up or I have to take care of this club show none of that's going on no like big events or concerts or anything that could possibly distract us all of that is out the window and you literally took this time to just say I can do this and I can make myself even better than what I already am yeah. And a big piece of that came, like, it, it was not an easy journey at all. It still isn't. Um, there was a couple of times where I told Sid where I'm like, yo, I'm not, I'm like, I'm drinking with my friends. Like I'm doing these things that I, I know I shouldn't be doing to be a good athlete, but it's like, those things had to happen so that I was, I'm able to be where I'm right now. And I think too, it's like surrounding myself with people like Sid, Mandy, you, uh, my nutritionist, Devor. it's like, it's allowed me to be my best self and like focus on every day. I want to be a little bit better than I was the day before. And it doesn't mean that like, you know, we, in boxing, we always think about weight. Like everything is about weight. Every day. What do you add like, today? 124.7. <laughs> yeah. Give me one, give me one weight class athlete who isn't like petrified or like traumatized by the scale in some capacity where it's like, you get on the scale, you're pointing more and you're like, well, I didn't like I didn't pee as much this morning or like you're trying to make like up some reason. <laughs> right. And it's, this time has allowed me to really reflect on these things that I do. And then I do them. And I'm when, when I do them in front of Sid, I'm like, I know, like I tell him strip verbally. I'm like, that was the person I used to be saying that like, that's not me now. That's not who I want to be. Um, but it's not to say that like when I was thinking about being better every day, it's like, it's not like every day my job has to be 1% better. Every day I have to run 1% faster. It's like, I look at all the different, I compartmentalize a lot of things. So I look at all the different pieces of my life yeah. and it's like, okay, with my nutrition today, I might be 1% better now tomorrow. Okay. Well, my sleep habits might be 1% better, but on the whole, because they make up who I am, I'm becoming 1% better overall. So it's about like 
not being fixated on like the individual thing and being able to look at yourself as a whole being as opposed to just like some person who has to make weight and train all the time and win fights because of what other people might say no it's always about what's going like you have to always give a hundred percent in your day what's going on in your day in those moments it's not about like okay today I didn't run as fast as yesterday so now I suck it's like no that's just your body probably recovering because of the awesome workout you did yesterday so give yourself a second just you know enjoy like what your body's letting you do which is rest a little bit no, that's a good point that you make that not every day you have to be perfect. Not every day has to be like this. You just got to show up and give it what you got in that moment and push that, yourself and just kind of go with that. And look at it as like your athletic career. Like even if you, let's say you're not an athlete, it's like in your actual like professional career, like that isn't, we were talking about this I think today or the other day was like, that doesn't, a lot of athletes, or like really successful people think that that one thing defines them yes and it doesn't Mm -hmm. and so it's like I might not be a better boxer tomorrow than I am today but I'll tell you what like my tutoring business I'm gonna give one percent more to one of my students than I did yesterday yes and it's like that's still growth that's still you as a being growing and then that will spill over into your athletic life so it's like maybe today I don't have the energy to like run faster (laughs) but I can treat my spouse or my mother or my brother or whatever a little bit better than I did the day before I can have more patience now you're now you're growing you're becoming a better person that will spill over into your athletic career where when you get frustrated with yourself you're gonna have more patience that's an excellent way to put it you know what like this has been such a great very substantial conversation and I have loved every <laughs> second of this conversation. Honestly, this is like some really good stuff. I hope that everybody is listening and hearing, really understanding what it takes to be a champion, not to be so hard on yourself. You can hit rock bottom and still be a Canadian champion. You can literally put 100% effort into yourself and look at the final product, which is, which we have right here, is a champion in all forms. Thank you, Caitlin, for sharing with us your story and everything that's been going on with you. And you know that, especially right now, you're going to be having a lot of people cheer for you going into the next nationals and eventually into the world champions, which I'm very, very confident that you're going to accomplish that. You're going to crush that. Do you have any final words that you want to say to everybody? I think if I could like say one thing, especially people who like do sports, like girls who do sports, It's especially young girls. Listen, just because you're a girl doesn't mean you have to be a pushover and listen to what people tell you. Like my biggest thing, I wish someone had told me this 10 years ago. If your coach tells you to do something and you morally don't agree with it or like you feel like this weird conflict in your life about it, you don't have to be a jerk about it, but speak up and say something. Like it's okay to express how you feel about things. And I think as women in sport, we're told you're too emotional, you're too this, you're too that, as opposed to being like, you are who you are, express yourself. So yeah, I think like for women in sport and or women in the workplace, it's like, if you want to raise, go ask for it. Like you don't get things without asking for it. You got to break down doors. You got to do it on your own terms. And honestly, like if you're a good person, it'll work out. And like, you don't need to be a jerk about it. Treat other people with love and kindness, but also go after what you want. And then you'll positively affect the people around you because you'll be happier. 
absolutely just like for example what's the difference of if one of the female fighters let's say she loses a fight or she doesn't do well in sparring what's the difference of her crying as opposed to a guy throwing things exactly you're just why is it that girls can't cry and if that guy wants to cry let him cry too and if i i I remember one time actually i threw something and i got in trouble but it's like I see guys throw things all the time. I, I didn't throw anything like in the venue. I like went to the change room and I picked up a chair and I chucked it. I was so mad. <laughs> but I didn't feel like crying. <laughs> I wanted to throw something. And I got like a talking to about that. And I was just like, that's just me letting out my like I was told I can't cry, so I threw something and now I'm being told like now I'm being told I'd be a robot. <laughs> now we're just gonna walk in monotone no that's an awesome awesome note to leave off on because we're just because we're girls doesn't mean that we're not going to display what we feel in those moments just like how guys get to display what they do and they get no criticism they're just like oh yeah it's because they're a guy and they just get the pass for it the hall pass exactly but stand up for yourself and always follow your heart and do what you believe in because even if it's tough and even if you other people are going to be against it you just gotta live live your best life but do it in a way that like will make god happy or whoever you know whoever uses your guiding post do it in that light and you'll be okay thank you so much caitlin can you put them up for me Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And you'll be here again next Friday for another episode of The Female Fist. Thank you.